Sifter for the ear. News, interviews, reviews, cinema, TV, streaming, action. Hi, y'all. This is Jerry Williams, a.k.a. TV Jerry. If you enjoy the music of Barry Manilow, Liberace, or the Bee Gees, then you're going to hate Guar. Their name is Guar. Guar, the band from hell. That band, Guar, has got to be the raunchiest, most rotten band. They are the worst. Basically, they're barbarian interplanetary warriors who play heavy metal music and shoot various bodily fluids all over the audience. That was a clip from the new film, This Is Guar. Richmond-based notorious heavy metal art concept band Guar has been around since 1984, so Texas-based filmmaker Scott Barber set out to make a documentary about the band. After Scott, I'm going to introduce Taylor Wren, who's started her own mini film festivals around Richmond. Sifter Review of the Week The Terminal List on Amazon Prime Video Chris Pratt plays a Navy SEAL commander whose entire platoon is wiped out on an overseas mission. That's only the beginning of his issues, which include the conspiracy behind the murders and his own mental health. This is one of those series that could have packed a wallop as a two-hour feature, but at ten hours, there's too much extraneous activity and dialogue. On top of that, the once-per-episode action scenes are unoriginal and flat. Pratt obviously relishes the opportunity to get dramatic, and he does okay. Still, this series is never surprising or tense, just rather bland. By the way, local actor Constance Wu has a major role. I gave it two and a half out of five stars. Scott Barber, welcome to Sifter for the Year. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. You know, I made a documentary a couple years ago about a Richmond icon, and you've made a documentary now about a Richmond icon, but we have something in common, don't we? We do, yeah. And that would be uh, Guar, obviously, and Dirt Woman. Yep. <laughs> he, he didn't really figure in your doc, but of course, Guar figured in my documentary. Right. Multiple people, Hunter Jackson, as well as Bob Gorman, both brought up the Dirt Woman doc while I was filming. You know, a lot of times when they were talking about Dave. Right, his, right. I think friendship with, with Dirt Donnie. Woman. Yeah. Did yeah. you get to see the part in there where he was directing the music video? I did. Yeah, yeah. that was very cool. <laughs> so when did you first encounter Guar? Uh, you know, I had encountered Guar the first time on Beavis and Butthead, like a lot of people, <laughs> probably the early 90s, 93 or so when they got on there. I was young. I was a young teenager, probably 12, 13. And I saw them and, you know, they were Beavis and Butthead's favorite band. Right. And I always like to joke, you know, I was a little metal kid with a mullet living in Texas. So <laughs> I basically was Beavis and Butthead. You right. know, so, Both of them. So they, I was together. I was a mix. You know, I'd always had this kind of fascination, you know, Guar is they really are one of those bands that no matter what style of music you like, especially within different rock and roll genres, everybody likes them. You know, it, right. it, everyone has this kind of fascination with them. So I don't know that I'd say everybody likes them, but everybody at least knows them. Knows of them. Yeah, there right, you right, go. Right. So what was your inspiration to create this documentary? When I looked into the history of Guar, I realized how awesome it really was and how the whole idea of them not being a band, but being an art collective. I think there's a whole lot of people out there that don't know that, that they're really not a heavy metal band. That is just one aspect of them. Right. Dave Brockie uh, with Death Piggy and then Hunter Jackson with his movie. And I just thought, what a neat idea that a movie and a band came together. Right. Well, now, it's interesting. You mentioned Hunter and you mentioned Dave Brockie. Surprise guest drop in. I have a surprise visitor. One of the other early members of the group. Oh, that's awesome. Hi, Scott. How you doing? 
Hey, Don, I'm doing good. Good to talk to you. Footnote. Don Draculich, a.k.a. Sleazy P. Martini, was a founding member for Guar and introduced molded foam to construct their character costumes. So, Don, how did you first hear about Scott in this documentary? I was just heard after the fact. I, you know, I wasn't in the decision-making process, so. But you were interviewed. And, Scott, did you come here to Richmond to talk to uh, some of the guys? Yeah, I did. I got uh, emails. I can't remember where I got Don's email, but somebody gave gave me his email and I reached out to him and just said, hey, you know, uh, I'm going to be in Richmond this time. So, Don, what is your uh, impression of the documentary so far? Have you had a chance to see it? Uh, it it's pretty good. Um, just sorry so many people died. You know? Well, can't do anything about that. That's the third act, unfortunately. It's just the way it worked out. Well, I know that for a while you had been considering working on a documentary on the band yourself. I have. Yes, yes. Is that is that going away? Is that still happening? Or no, it, it's just on a back burner. I got to work through some issues, but uh, yeah. Unfortunately, that's that's been uh, put on the back burner for the meantime. I know this is post documentary. Yeah. Uh, you're not in the band anymore. You're not involved in the band. Is that correct or am I wrong? Technically, I'm not fully out. Uh, I just don't fabricate anymore and I don't tour. So that's where that's at. It's something they they need me to do that, you know, I can step in and help in with not too time intensive. You know, I'll I'll be happy to do it. So uh, we could call you a Guar Emeritus member. Yeah, I guess so. Don, I want to thank you for dropping in. Any final words you want to say to Scott or to the... Uh, uh, just, you haven't had, did you send me the final version or not? I don't remember. I don't know. Because um, we were we were able to get after, during the time we were premiering it, we got this whole Fantastic Fest thing that came out really quick. Mm-hmm. So we had to turn in a cut. Footnote. Fantastic Fest is an annual film festival in Austin, Texas, specializing primarily in the science fiction, fantasy, and horror genres. It was founded in 2005 by the owner of Alamo Drafthouse. You'll hear that name again later in the interview. But the cut that's coming out is not the cut, so it's totally different. If people saw it at Fantastic Fest, it's different now. Yeah, maybe you haven't. I need to, I'll need send it to you. I don't think I have. Uh, the, but the you know, that, hey, if you could send me some. Yeah. Are you coming to the premiere here in Richmond, or did you set that up? Uh, I was the one that kind of started it. I reached out to the bird and said, hey, you know, can we do this? And then kind of let Indigoot take it from there. And Indigoot uh, took it from there? Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> well don thank you for uh contributing to that documentary and my documentary and contributing to this yeah uh, yeah my pleasure and uh thanks scott for yeah uh, thank you yeah appreciate everything y'all did thank you okay see ya see ya so before we talk more about the movie, give us a little nutshell version of your background. Who is Scott Barber, the director? So me and a couple of my friends just started learning how to use cameras and stuff. And the theory was, let's make our own movies and we'll all kind of work on each other's movies so that then we can cast ourselves as however we want. <laughs> I did that. And then I kind of did it for a job for a long time, just freelancing. And then, you know, my dream was always to make a movie. So uh, I said, what about a documentary? Uh, you know, I, I like documentaries and I think I'd be good at it. So that that's what made me want to decide to be a documentary filmmaker specifically. One, I liked it. I really love editing. And, you know, that's the... That's how you tell the story. Yep. That's how you tell the story. And, uh, you know, I figured if we get a crew of two or three people, we can do a good looking documentary. You know, you can make the interviews look good. And so we made a one documentary about Nickelodeon called The Orange Years. Footnote. The Orange Years, the Nickelodeon story, chronicled the rise of the famed Kids Network. 
that was my first one. And, you know, I, I learned what worked with that one and what didn't work. And did that air anywhere? It is. It's on Hulu right now. Is it? Okay. And it's, uh, you know, it's, I'm proud of it for my first documentary that I made with no money, you know, right, right. I really wanted to work with somebody that would work with me you know, still let me make the movie, right? but be more involved. And Guar was really filmmaker's dream come true because, you know, I talked to him from the very beginning and I said, you know, how do we want this to work? You know, what do you want to do? They wanted to work with me, but still let me tell the story, which I was super grateful for because they were really helpful. They gave me tons of pictures, tons of VHS, tons of Mini DV tapes, all sorts of tapes. I was going to ask if if most of that can because well, the good thing about that band or that group of artists is they were videotaping and shooting everything they did from the beginning. So exactly. you were really lucky. And so the band just had all that stuff and they made that all available to you up front. The, uh, Bob Gorman of Guar, he kind of considers himself and he is the uh, the archivalist. I mean, he's got everything, every flyer, right. every. He's gone around and collected even stuff from before he was in the group during the Dairy Times and the uh, right. you know Hello, which was before he he got there. Um, he's collected all sorts of stuff. He's even collected stuff about the Dairy before it was ever even the wow. artist collective haven that it was from way back yeah. when it was an actual Dairy. That was some of my most fond times was sitting with him up at the Slave Pit and just going through all these tapes. Some of them were ones he had, but he hadn't watched in years. But uh, and then, you know, on the other hand, you know, I told Guar, I said, is there anything that you don't want me to go down? Because I'd rather us talk about that right now. Sure. Rather than me to edit it. And then, you know, this to happen. And they really said, no, you know, there's pretty much warts and all warts and all because and they, in this case, maybe genital warts and all. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> you know, they they got it. They get it because they're all obviously great artists and they're documentary fans. You know, Don is making one. He's been in one. He's a great director. He's directed like you said, music videos. Right. Uh, so they kind of knew that uh, if it became just a Guar commercial or a Guar Wikipedia page where you're just listing all the stuff that that sure. they did, nobody's going to like that. Yeah. So they were really cool in letting me kind of tell the story. I noticed one of the interesting things you did when you wanted to transition or sometimes just to add a little visual interest is you mm -hmm. created some comic books. Yeah. Was that your inspiration? Was that your idea? Or where did that come from? Yeah, it, it was. You know, they gave us so much archival footage. So pretty much any time, you'll see it in the documentary. If somebody says something, if they're saying, oh, this one time we did this, if we don't have the exact video of what they're talking about, we have something similar, right. something close enough sure. so that you get the point. But there were certain times when things happened that nobody was filming. You know, a big part of it is, you know, one of the Guar members gets shot you know and no don't want to give too many spoilers although i'm sure a lot of people already know well right. nobody's filming whenever you're getting attacked by people sure and that was one thing that you know we knew that couldn't be talking heads that couldn't be just them telling it as as amazing as that would be reliving those things and and, and all those guys being so raw and open about it we had to show it so you know we wanted to use animation and i used animation in the nickelodeon one i think it's a great way like you said to to if you don't have the B-roll to, to show it. So we were thinking about what would be cool for the animation style for, for this. And at first we almost thought of something kind of like rotoscoping, you know, like heavy mm -hmm. metal or the, the old Lord of the Rings, just cause it's got that kind of, right. I don't know. I almost equate it with a barbarian type feel. But then when we thought about it, we're like, Oh, you know, Jack Kirby is such a huge inspiration. Multiple Guar members said Jack Kirby, Jack Kirby. <laughs> 
Footnote. Jack Kirby was an influential comic book artist and writer who was responsible for such heroes as the Fantastic Four, the X-Men, Thor, the Hulk, Iron Man, and Black Panther. So he said, what about some kind of pulp comics? You know, we wanted it to look like an old comic with the, you know, the, the little, what do you call them? The dot matrix? The, yeah, things, right, right. Where it's like Sunday yeah. dots. Right. Yes. Okay, there you go. And so I knew a really great artist that drew those. And kind of like what you had said before, he drew them on a couple of different layers. So then our editor could make those move a little right, bit. Right, right. Thomas Lennon, Weird Al Yankovic, Alec Winter, Ethan Embry, Bam Margera. Mm -hmm. How did you get those guys? I mean, did you just call them up and say, hey, I'm doing a thing on Guar? And I know they were all fans, obviously, but were there any of them that were more of a challenge to get or a big, mm. I mean, I, probably Weird Al's the most famous of all of them. So I guess he'd be, mm -hmm. he was really cool. And he'd already, he knew who they were, which was great. Right. Yeah, that was something that we wanted to do. You know, we, we had to have people that were not Guar talk about Guar. You know, that's what's kind of cool about it. So to talk about the musicianship, you know, we have Kyle uh, from the shut, uh, Kyle shut from the sword, uh, Michael from darkest hour, uh, and Randy Blythe, you know, lamb of God, all talking about the musicianship. And we wanted, you know, a horror film director to talk about that aspect of the whole special effects. And so we got Adam green and then, you know, we thought weird Al was great because he's a comedy act and Guar has that comedy element that I think people who don't know that much about him, maybe don't understand just how funny they are. Did you know they were fans and how did you track them down? Or did you just go to random people that you thought would be appropriate? That's a, another thing, you know, we wanted people that were big, you know, somebody, to, like I said, to help bring people in. You know, someone's sure. like, oh, Weird Al, I like him. Let's see what he's talking about. So our thing was, if we wanted to put a famous person in there, they had to make sense. So Weird Al, there was a pilot called The Animated Tales of Guar. And he was in it. He did a voice of it. Conveniently, yeah. Conveniently. So, so like he that was an easy one in terms of selling him. Of it making sense. You know, in Alex Winter, you know, uh, he had a show called The Idiot Box that they were on. And then Bam Margera, you know, they were on his show. We wanted them all to make sense. And, um, and originally, you know, we wanted Weird Al. And we're like, oh, you know, Weird Al and Thomas Lennon are friends. So maybe we could talk to them. And uh, so he got, he knew Thomas Lennon through a person. So he talked to Thomas. Uh, and then Thomas Lennon was like, I know Weird Al if you want me to get him. And so he did. Right, but I will say that also speaks to the power of Guar, that all of these different people were like, yeah, I'll do that. That sounds cool. I'll do sure. an interview about yeah, Guar. Yeah. Now, speaking of famous people that weren't in there, Mike Judge, was he yeah. not available? Was he not interested? He's like a super recluse now. He just doesn't do a lot of interviews because we tried. We really tried. We tried multiple ways to get him. And that's another thing that's pretty cool. You know, uh, we did get Matt Pinfield. Footnote. If you're not familiar with that list of names, here we go. Adam Green is known for his slasher comedy Hatchet and its sequels. Alex Winter has been a director for years, but he's best known as Bill from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures. Bam Margera became famous on the Jackass series and went on to create his own show. Thomas Lennon is an actor best known for Reno 911 and many other comedies. Mike Judge is most famous as the creator of Beavis and Butthead. And Matt Penfield was a popular VJ on MTV. Because we're like, we got to have somebody talk about MTV, how they did sure. and, and Beavis and Butthead, how, you know, that was kind of the back door to MTV. Bands that were like Guar, who MTV was like, no way we're going to put that on here, you know? Yeah. B Mike Judge would put it on there. So then that's a way for these bands to kind of circumvent MTV and, and get on MTV. If you're just tuning in, I'm talking with Scott Barber, the director of the documentary, This Is Guar. It all fell apart to a degree. It was 
a little bit destructive. I just didn't see the story having a happy ending. It was interesting because there are a number of acrimonious relationships from the different members of the band. Obviously, Hunter left at one point, but you were able to get these people to, I don't know if they ever actually reconciled. We didn't have the classic documentary scene where they come and hug, thank heavens. But all of those different people, were they happy to, obviously, they were happy to talk about the band and each other and... There is there was some awkwardness and that was I mean that was the way it was. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about working with the different people and you know and their relationships and all these years later to some of them. That was interesting. Don, Chuck, Danielle, those three I wasn't super worried about you know because they were they all have a you know a good relationship. Hunter was the one that I was um, right really worried I wouldn't get him and you can't have a documentary without him. The founder, yeah, the founder. So. you know, uh, I, I got to, you know, I love Hunter. I got to go out to LA and, and, and really get to know him. And I, the whole time I, I thought, this is so sad because I'm hearing the Guar guys, what they're saying, what Hunter's saying. And it just seemed like it was a lot of it. And granted, I don't claim to be in their inner circle. I'm not, I made a documentary with them. And, you know, when they come through town, I'll call up Bob or whoever. And, and but I'm not like, it's not like I know the, the, the deep workings of Guar. So there may be stuff I don't know about, but what they were saying to me, was, um, I guess, not as bad as I think each other thought it was, you know? And so all the, I mean, when you watch the documentary, all of the guys say that, you know, he started it. He's talented. He's this genius guy. You know, that was another thing that was tough is we didn't want anybody, we had to tell both sides of the story or not both, all, but we didn't want anyone to look like the bad guy. We wanted it to look like you can kind of see where every, even if you don't agree, you can kind of see where everybody's coming from. You kind of said this up front, but I'm going to give you a chance to do it in kind of a summary way. What would you just say to somebody who either doesn't know who Guar is or is like, oh, I've seen those pictures. No, thank you. Mm-hmm. What would you say to encourage them to change their mind and say, definitely, I need to come see this? We never went into this thinking of it as a rock and roll doc. We weren't watching a bunch of rock docs to try to get that. We didn't want to do that because that's again, that's not what they were. And we always thought that Guar was universal. And, 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 and like I've always said, if your favorite musician is Garth Brooks, you will like this story. And I'm not even saying what I did. I'm not saying I did something so great. It's just the story of Guar and meeting these people by watching this movie. You will connect with it. That's I, I definitely feel that. I truly feel that with all my heart. So no matter what you like, it's 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 not that. And this is very different. We show their live show, but. It's really what happened behind that live show and what still happens behind that live show. That's the focus of the documentary. Right. Festivals, what's your plan for distribution and or getting other people to see it at this point? So Shudder, a streaming platform that primarily deals in horror, they wanted it. And so we're like, okay, great. So it kind of happened all of a sudden. And then the Alamo Draft House came through and said, well, we'll give you guys a theatrical run. So they gave us an 18 city theatrical run. Wow. And it all happened so quickly because we didn't think we were going to get a theatrical. Right. And then we found out we were and we're like, there's there's no draft houses in Richmond. These have already played in all these other cities? No, no, oh, that's okay. that's coming up okay. uh, around the same time that the one in Richmond happens. But we said, um, but it's got to be in Richmond, you know, yeah, preferably sure. at the birds. So they were really nice and really cool. And they said, well, bring it on. Let's do it. So, yeah. So to answer your question, there's a theatrical run that's happening uh, around the 17th through the 21st. 
So if you have an Alamo draft house around you, you can go to one of those. And if you're in Richmond, it's at the bird. And then after that, it's on shutter and AMC plus. Right. I would so, say shutter. Yeah. AMC plus is part of shutter or vice yeah. versa. Yeah. Speaking of that, my last question is always, what are you watching when you have time to just chill? Well, right now I just finished up watching The Boys. I don't know if you've I seen just that. finished it last night myself. Yeah. I love that series. I think that's great. You know, yeah. I was I was a fan of the comic book and and I love the way that they're not going by it. You know, they're doing something different. So you don't know. You know, as much as people are like, I want you to go by the source material. I, as long as you do a good job, if you change it and it sucks, that's one thing. Right. But if you change it and do a good job like they do, I like it because then I don't know what's going to happen. It's not yeah, like And I they know. do some of the most amazingly creative, violent stuff I've ever mm-hmm. seen. It's really. kind of like Guar. It's, 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 uh, and that's another thing to go back to one of your questions, not too much, but I want people to know it's, it looks like this boneheaded, oh, it's just this, you know, disgusting humor, but it's, it's not, it's a very smart social commentary. Sure. Yeah. And maybe that's why I like the boys too, because it's the same. One of, I think one of the best social commentaries as far yeah. as TV yeah, shows fun. out there. I finished up Stranger Things and I thought that was uh, uh, pretty good. Yeah. I didn't uh, like the finale. I liked the season. Uh, I, I thought it was, they, they to me, they kind of hit a little, like they're just kind of doing the same thing over yeah, and over again. Yeah. And then they kind of, I thought, pulled it, this season four kind of pulled it up a little bit. Maybe not to the glory of the beginning, but. Um, Agreed. And then the ending, I was like, golly, I feel like a lot of people do that. They can't stick the landing, you know, yeah, like, yeah. A, like oh, a that's lost, one of the hardest things, things to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, Scott, this has been fascinating. The documentary is informative and insane and congratulations on it. Sorry you won't be here to see it, but uh, thanks for being with me today. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. Thank you. That was Scott Barber, director of the documentary about Richmond's legendary band, This Is Guar. There will be a link to the trailer, the showing at The Bird on Sunday, and more on the webpage at tvjerry.com. It's like the world needs a guar. It was a joke, and we just kept going with it. It's like jokes on everyone else now, 30 years later, you know? It's a joke with no punchline. Most amazing cataclysmic rock and roll event of the century, ladies and gentlemen. This is guar. Taylor Wren recently returned to Richmond, where she started her own mini film festival called LC Cinema. Welcome to Sifter, Taylor. Thank you, Jerry. Thanks for having me. So what is your background that got you into LC Cinema? I was at VCU for only a year in their drama program, studying acting. Okay, that's where I graduated. Really? Yeah, the theater department. great school. Yep. I loved it, decided I'm too practical of a person to pursue <laughs> it. Right. Um, but I think that that was really where I learned how much I loved analyzing characters and stories and reading plays and watching movies and watching directors work. So how did you decide to create your own festival? Movies have always been something I loved. I mean, to me, they've been my favorite art form since I was a kid. They're the ultimate vehicle for empathy in my mind. You know, I moved back to Richmond actually in the summer of 2020 from New York City. And when oh, I got wow. here, that was a great time to get out of New York, I guess. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah. I was part of that mass exodus. I feel like Richmond has such a great, like, artistic pulse and a really receptive entrepreneurial and creative community. So I feel like when I moved here, I finally felt comfortable to share this love of movies with people. And great. also being stuck inside made me want to give people an opportunity to connect with other people through something like film. So yeah, just decided to go for it. What makes your selections 
unique? Is there a theme that you work on each time or is it just movies you like? Or, well, hopefully it's movies you like. (laughs) Definitely movies I like. I mean, it started out as just like wanting to show movies I wanted to see more often. So I've been showing films um, in intimate, interesting, and kind of unexpected spaces. So your brain can kind of set you free a little bit and get you in a place where you might not be expecting to see a movie, so you might be in a more receptive place to buy into the story you're watching. Uh-huh. Now, I know your first set was a couple months ago at the Branch Museum. How did that go? It was great. They were wonderful partners, and it's such a beautiful building, so and I was excited was to share it with people. The Queen by Frank Simon, Comfort of Strangers, Paul Schrader, and Black Girl. So uh, what do you have coming up? I know you've got some more plans now that that one is under your belt. Yeah, very exciting. There's um, three more movies this summer, and they're very fun collaborations with local businesses in Richmond. So the bookstore, Agony Books, which is a wonderful photography um, book by a great guy named Jesse and another guy named David, we're collaborating to do two films at the Material Room in Scott's Edition. We'll be showing Bad Blood and Blue Velvet. So both movies that were made in 1986. There's Uh a theme there. Uh Okay. Is everybody supposed to dress in their 80s clothes? (laughs) I would be very happy if that That would be hilarious. I still have some in the attic, I think. (laughs) Did I understand, is there also food sometimes or drink involved? Yes, definitely. So the second one we'll be doing will be with Second Bottle in August, uh, which is a wonderful wine shop in Churchill, um, which is where I live. And Aaron and I will be collaborating to do a wine tasting with that film. And oh, great. I'm not quite sure what that movie is yet, but I'm hoping to pair the film with the wine that we'll be tasting, which oh, I think great. will be quite fun. You've got more coming up, right? You're just still working on... We'll have some more kicking off probably late September through the fall. And what is your hope through this festival? Do you want it to turn into a big giant festival festival, or are you just kind of keeping this little thing? Or what is your hope for... Your three-year plan or your one-year plan at this point. Yeah, yeah, truly a one-year plan. I just want to keep doing these anywhere that will have me and keep getting people interested in movies. I'd love to maybe do some kids' movies, maybe host some discussions. But for me, this is really my form of community outreach. I hope to collaborate with people and raise some money for different organizations through showing films at their um, their spaces. Great. Well, you've got some some big ambitions and some exciting plans. So I'm looking forward to hearing more about it. We will have as much detail as we can have on the website. Yeah. All thank right. you so much for asking me to do this. I'm so glad to have met you. Thank you so much. Keep Thanks, in touch. Jerry. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. That was Taylor Wren, who curates LC Cinema. A link to her website is on the page for this show at tvjerry.com. Coming soon. In theaters. Where the Crawdads Sing, from the popular novel, Daisy Edgar Jones plays an isolated marsh girl involved with a murder mystery. Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. Leslie Manville stars as a widow in 50s London who decides to buy a couture dress by Dior. Paws of Fury, The Legend of Hank. Michael Sarah voices the dog who dreams of becoming a samurai. The Gray Man. Netflix drops their most expensive movie ever, with Ryan Gosling starring as a CIA contractor on the run from Chris Evans. It also starts streaming on the 22nd. The Deer King, a Japanese fantasy epic. Gabby Giffords Won't Back Down, a documentary about the Arizona Congresswoman and her battle to recover from the 2011 assassination attempt. 
TV and streaming. On the 14th, Resident Evil, the latest entry in the horror franchise, returns to Netflix. On the 15th, the rehearsal on HBO, Nathan Fielder, who created Nathan For You, has another series about dealing with life's uncertainties. Persuasion on Netflix, this adaptation of the Jane Austen novel stars Dakota Johnson. Don't Make Me Go on Amazon Prime, John Cho stars as a terminally ill father who tries to spend more time with his teenage daughter. On the 19th, Aftershock on Hulu, a documentary that looks at the disproportionate mortality rate among black women. Minamata also on Hulu, Johnny Depp plays a war photographer who returns to Japan to document the effects of mercury poisoning. On the 21st on Shudder, this is Guar, and I assume you've been listening. On the 22nd on Amazon, Anything's Possible, a high school rom-com with a trans girl, and also the first directorial effort from Billy Porter. I promised an RVA couple who made a movie last week, but pushed it back to make room for this Guar documentary. They may be on next week, or we may have another more timely interview. This is Jerry Williams. Thanks for listening. For more Sister, including literally thousands Thousands of reviews, reviews, visit tvjerry.com. That's a wrap.